I have a great passage uh, in the first chapter of the book of Matthew. We're going to start Matthew 1, 18 through 23. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew 1 if you have them, or go ahead and pull it up on your phone if you have the Bible app. I would definitely encourage you to get it. If you don't have it, uh, it can actually read the Bible to you, and the guy sounds like Morgan Freeman. So, I mean, who wouldn't like that? Come on. So uh, get your Bible apps out. And we're going to start reading this all together. We don't have it on the screen because I just kind of want you guys to lock in here today. Let's just focus in on the reading of God's word today. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, talking about Isaiah here. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Somebody say, God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Come on. Uh, I absolutely love reading the story of Christmas, and I think it's something that every family should do. Uh, my son, Oakland, he is at home sick right now, and uh, he's probably the one that gave it to me a little bit, but uh, you know, I'm not bitter. It's all right. It's all, it's all, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, but hey, listen, he was at home with Lindsay, and uh, they wanted to read the Bible story. I thought that was pretty cool. So I see them. I'm working at home. I have a home office, and so I see them in the, the uh, little dining area on our table, and Lindsay brings out her Bible. She gets Oakland's Bible and puts it out. And then Tegan has like a little tiny Bible. So she brought her little Bible out too, okay? And I walk out and I see them reading the Bible story together of Jesus's birth. I think that's a great practice for you to do. He's at the point now where he likes reading. We read to him every single night before he goes to sleep. Uh, We have to read two books, not one, not three, two exactly. And if we mess that up, it's a big problem, okay? Parents, you know what I'm talking about. You have those traditions and you can't break off of them. And so uh, we always like to read and sometimes he'll pick his Bible, and that's the, the book that he wants to read that night, and we'll read these little picture stories. But he's at the point now where he's not even looking at the pictures. He's actually looking at the words, and he'll look at letters and kind of point it out, like, oh, that's an O, like, oh, I know that, or that's a Q or an S or T, and he'll, he'll be able to look at some words and kind of figure out what they are. And it's just fun watching his eyes shift from the pictures to the words as I'm kind of reading. I can see his eyes going across. I'll put my finger on it so he can kind of see, hey, we're actually reading here. And, and so it was cool to see them reading this uh, the story of Jesus's birth together. And, um, but there was one problem. Uh, they start reading this story and, and Lindsay gets to the part where it talks about Mary and Joseph being Jesus's parents. And Oakland said, no, that's not right. And Lindsay's like, uh, what are you talking about? Oakland? No, that, that's his mom and his dad. And he was like, no, no, no. Jesus's dad is God. 
all right? That's his dad. Okay, not this Joseph guy, right? So like this Joseph dude, he's like, who is this guy? Who is this imposter? Jesus has a dad. It is God. They teach me that in Bible class at Radical Church all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. Like he's like almost giving attitude. Like, you know, she doesn't know what she's talking about, okay? And, and honestly, you think about it, it is kind of funny. Uh, I almost picture it as as kind of like a an old Mari episode. You know what I'm talking about? The heathens out there, okay? Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. So you got the Mari episode and, and, and they have the person that's like, you are or you are not the father, but except you have like God, the father and Joseph there in the hot seat, both together trying to figure out who it is. And then he opens it up, flips open the envelope and says, you are both the father. And everyone goes, what? That doesn't even make sense. Like, that's crazy. What? How is that even possible? And I feel like that's what's happening in, in the mind of my four-year-old as he's reading the story. He has no idea. He doesn't even get it. And um, um, when you think about it, uh, it is a little complicated, right? Not even just for a four-year-old, but even for an adult to kind of figure out, hey, this is a little different, right? So uh, Mary is, uh, becomes pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. An angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, listen, don't divorce her, okay? Because he was going to divorce her. Why would he do that? Well, because it was very shameful to get pregnant when you were not married. Uh, in that culture, especially, she would have been ostracized from her entire family, for, from her entire community. And so the angel of the Lord says, hey, no, 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 Joseph, don't do that. I, I, that's a respectable thing. He was going to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to make a big deal about it because, you know, she's a nice girl or whatever. But obviously she must have, you know, been messing around or something like that. And so I'm just going to be nice to her and let her go uh, quietly. He says, no, 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 this is actually from the Lord, Joseph. So make sure to take her as your wife and you're going to call this boy Jesus. He's going to be the savior of the world. And Joseph's like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? You got to think Mary and Joseph both are just trying to figure out what in the world they're doing now. Not just as parents, but parents of the literal son of God. All right. Like what in the world are you going to do now? But there's one name. We talked a lot about names today and we'll talk about names today. The, the title of the message is simply Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to take that one name, Emmanuel, and break it down, what it means and why it's important and a great reminder for you and me to remember that that is one of Jesus's primary names. Emmanuel, God with us. It's a difficult concept to understand that there's an earthly father of Joseph, but Jesus has the heavenly father, right? That, that is father God that we know he says, you know, pray to our father in heaven, right? Uh, but there's this concept called incarnation. Somebody say incarnation. You know the term reincarnation. It's in different, you know, religions and different things like that. People have different views on it. But the idea of incarnation is a term used by theologians to indicate that Jesus, the Son of God, simply took on human flesh. That the Son of God came down from heaven and decided to live as one of his own people. It seems a little odd that he would do that, right? I mean, why would Jesus do this, remove his royal robes and take on flesh and bone like us. Because that means what? It means a lot of different things. It means he's going to have to work like us. It means he's going to have to sweat like us, right? It means he's going to get dirty. He's, you know, I'm, I don't know about you, but if you know anything about ancient Middle Eastern culture, okay, it was dirty around there. They walked everywhere, okay? When he's washing his disciples' feet, them feet be nasty, all right? Because they walk everywhere in sandals. So he's gonna have to sweat like us. He's gonna have to work like us. He's gonna be tempted like us. Even more than we ever were, he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days where Satan, literally Satan himself, 
tempts Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I have enough temptation in this life just messing around with Satan's little demons everywhere, okay? But having Satan himself tempt Jesus for 40 days, could you imagine having to go through that kind of temptation and that kind of struggle? But he was also gonna have to die just like us too. He's gonna have to go through all of these human things that we all experience, but why in the world would a God do that? And this is the only religion There's many religions out there in this world that you could subscribe to, that you could believe in, but this is the only one where God himself comes down to live among his own people. Isn't that cool? Where God himself comes down to live among his people, where the creator actually becomes the creation. What kind of God would do that? Because Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen, right? Like you, you can't just say that, oh, well, he didn't know or, or he had no idea. No, no, no. Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen to him. And I almost imagine Jesus kind of up in heaven talking with uh, God the Father and God starts saying, hey, you're gonna be the son of Mary. She's amazing. She's, she's an amazing woman and she loves us and she keeps our commands. And that's why I've picked her. She's just an incredible woman of God. You're gonna be born in Bethlehem in not really great conditions. You're gonna go down and be born in a manger probably surrounded by some stinky animals, right? It's not gonna be the greatest way to be born. And you know, your father's gonna be Joseph and he's not gonna get much airtime, right? He's not really sure what to think about all this, but he's gonna do the right thing. He's gonna do right by you and do right by Mary for sure. He's gonna teach you to be a carpenter. You're gonna grow up, you're gonna work. And the same wood that you learn how to craft is eventually gonna be the same wood that they put you on to crucify you. You're going to be extremely smart when you're a young boy. Uh, You're actually going to get lost for three days. This is a crazy story if you never read it in your Bible before. But Jesus actually, when he's a young boy, just goes away from Mary and Joseph, just gets lost, right? And they are frantically searching for Jesus. Um, They literally lost the son of God. Parents out there, I don't know if you ever lost your kid for any period of time, but literally anything that you've ever done in your life as a parent, it has never been as bad as Mary and Joseph losing the son of God for three days. Come on, somebody, give yourself some grace in the house of God today. You're not as bad as Mary and Joseph was in that moment, okay? They lost him for three days and they were going all around trying to find this young boy. Where did they find him? They found him in the temple. And what was he doing? He was schooling them rabbis, right? Those rabbis thought they were smart. They didn't know nothing compared to Jesus. This is a young boy, Jesus, that's in this temple, absolutely schooling these rabbis. It says that they were amazed at his wisdom, amazed at the things that were coming out of his mouth at such a young age. How in the world does he have this kind of understanding? He was going to be really smart. You know, he's born in Bethlehem and and a lot of people, he ended up becoming from Nazareth. And people say, well, nothing good can come out of Nazareth, right? Well, you would think if a God was gonna come down to earth and live among his people, you'd expect it to be like a Thor kind of Avengers experience, right? Like you're thinking Chris Hemsworth with like bulging muscles, you know what I mean? Like that's gonna be the way that God chooses to come down. He's gonna have all kinds of cool superpowers, be able to do some cool things or whatever. And he's gonna just absolutely rule over everybody. Like that's what you would picture in your mind. If you're God, he's probably gonna come down and this big show and it's gonna be amazing and he's just gonna take over everything. But no, 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 that's not what he did. He was from Nazareth and people actually made fun of him all the time and said, what good could come from Nazareth? Nazareth was a very, 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 very small town very small, like a little tiny country farm town. They're like, Nazareth, really? The son of God? 
The Messiah, the one that we've been waiting for for thousands of years is going to come from Nazareth. I don't think so. He's going to do many miracles. But you know what? People are going to question you. You're going to love unconditionally, but they'll just make fun of you. They're not really going to understand you. Eventually, you're going to go to the cross and you're going to die for the sins of all of mankind. You see, Jesus knew that he was going to suffer. He knew that he was going to experience betrayal. He knew that his closest friends were going to abandon him. Even as he was going to the cross, everyone that he loved, everyone that he poured into, everybody he gave his life to, every single one of them abandoned him in that moment. Could you imagine? All of your closest friends and family, in the hardest moment you've ever been in your entire life, they all just ditch you. And yet that's exactly what happened to Jesus. And he knew it was going to happen. He knew he was going to die. And yet he still chose to be born. I want you to think about that for a second. Marinate on that just for a moment. That he knew he was going to die. And yet he still chose to be born. What kind of God does that? None of this makes sense, right? Just honestly think about it. It just doesn't make sense. What kind of God would do that? And I think there's only one real answer to this question. What kind of God does that? And it has to be that this God is a God that loves you. There's only one way. It's that this God loves you, that he cares for you, that he knows you by name, that he cares for you enough that he actually wanted to be with you. Because see, when you love somebody, you want to be with them, right? Like if you love somebody in your life, you're trying to get around them as much as you can. You want to have family night. You want to have game night. You want to go hang out with your fam or with the people that you love, your best friends, right? I mean, I love my family. I love my wife. I love my kids. And I love being with them. I love going to the park with them. One of our favorite things that we do as a family actually is we go to Zilker Park. Uh, we get some pizza on South Congress. You already know where it is. If you're from Austin, come on now. We get some pizza and get a whole big old box of it. And then we take a big blanket out in Zilker Park in Austin there. And we just drop it down and we eat a whole box of pizza just sitting out there. I'll bring a soccer ball and a football and I'll play with Oakland out there. We'll put some music on and we'll just have a good time. One of my favorite things to do with my family, love doing it because I love spending time with them. I love them, right? I'll eat Chick-fil-A with them. Come on, somebody shout for the Lord's chicken in the house of God this morning. Come on now, we get some Chick-fil-A. We go on walks together. We go to the park. We watch the hit animated classic Cars for the 63rd time in a row. Come on now, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. If you're a parent, you've been there. You got that one movie that your kid wants to watch a thousand times, but why do you do it? Because you love them and you love being with them. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It just matters that we're together, right? And this is what Jesus did for us. He loved people so much and he loved you and I so incredibly much that he just wanted to be with us. Isn't that an amazing truth? And it's the most well-known passage in the entire Bible. It's John 3, 16, and it explains this perfectly well. You might be able to quote it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. He loved you and I so much, the father that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. What is this representing here? It's that God loved you so much that he just wanted to be with you. 
Now, I told you earlier uh, that I'm a little sick and uh, it's, it's a little frustrating because I, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but during the Christmas season, I'm a pastor, all right? Everybody else takes off during Christmas and we work double time over Christmas, okay? Pastors, we work super hard over the Christmas season. During the Easter season, it's the same thing. Everybody gets off and goes to hang out with their family and pastors and pastoral staff, we be working real hard, okay? We got a lot to do during the Christmas season. I can't afford to be sick right now, y'all. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I can't afford to be sick. I got a lot of stuff to do. And yet here I am sick. And you know why? It's because of my son, Oakland. That little stinker, right? He got me sick. And you know, every time when you have two or three kids in your house, one of them gets sick, what's gonna happen? The next one's gonna get sick, then the next one, then the mom, then the dad. And then by the time all of you are done being sick a month later, guess what happens? One more gets sick and then the next one gets sick and then the next one, come on, you know, it's been a crazy uh, flu season right now and it just is what it is. but what, what should I have done in that moment when I found out that my son was sick? Naturally, if I'm trying to protect myself and if I'm caring about myself, what should I have done? I said, boy, you get away from me. Kick that kid into another room, lock the door. Get out here, have a good day, son. Like, I'm gonna be in this other room. I ain't trying to get sick. I got stuff to do. I got things going on that I can't be sick for. So you're gonna have to go into another room. But if you're a parent, you know that's not what I did. What did I do? My son's hurting. He's got a double ear infection. His eyes are all goopy. It's just bad. The kid looks crazy. I love you, son. What did I do? You better believe I grabbed that kid. I'm holding on to that kid. I am kissing the top of his head, his cheeks. I don't even care. He is all over me. We are wrestling down on the floor. The kid's got a fever, you know, he don't even care. We're just wrestling. We're having a good time. We're playing together. We're doing Paw Patrol toys together. I'm sitting right there with him. He's coughing right in my face. I'm like, ah, whatever. I don't even care. I'm holding on to this kid. Why? Because I love him. And it doesn't matter if he's sick. It doesn't matter if he's feeling good or or anything else. I'm going to hold on to that kid with everything that I have because I love him and because I want to be with him, Right? And this is the exact same thing that Jesus does for you and for me. And I love this because you don't have to be all cleaned up. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be on the mountaintop for Jesus to be right there in the middle of whatever you're going through with you. Jesus right here, right now, I wanna encourage somebody is saying, hey, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what your life looks like. If you would just turn to me, listen, I am right there with you. I am right by your side and I wanna walk through this fire right along with you. If you're sick, if you're broken, you got sin in your life, man, I will hold you even tighter and even closer. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you right now. That's what our God does. That's who our God is. How could God love me though? I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. I got too much going on. You're never too far for God's love to reach you. Amen. None of us are too far gone. The grace of God, that's what it's all about. You don't deserve it. There's nothing you could do to earn it or anything. No amount of good works could earn you into heaven or earn you into God's good graces. Why? Because the Bible says we've all fallen short. Like I messed up, you're messed up. We're all messed up, right? 
you'll probably leave here today and do something you regret and have to ask somebody forgiveness and ask God for forgiveness and be like, man, pastor just talked about this this morning. I just gave my life back to Jesus and here I am sinning again. You know, like it is what it is. We are messed up inherently. We have a sin nature, but when we go to God and we ask for forgiveness, the Bible says he is faithful and will cleanse us of all of our sins. He'll make us a new creation. And some of y'all just need to be made a new creation today. But you feel like you're too far gone. You're too unlovable. You're too sick. You're too messed up. And Jesus is saying, what are you talking about? He loves you so much that the Bible says that while you were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you are still in the middle of your junk. Imagine that Jesus is on the cross looking at you saying, hey, I'm dying for you. And he's holding you in his arms because that's the kind of God that we serve, amen? What's the best news? We know that Jesus came down to this earth to be born as a baby. That's pretty cool. God with us, Emmanuel, he's here, he's with us. But then he does all these amazing miracles. That's pretty cool, right? He heals people, he heals the blind eye and the deaf ear and the lame are walking. Like people are just, their minds are blown by the incredible power that comes Uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through Jesus. It's amazing all the things that he does. And then he goes to the cross and he dies for us. And you're like, wow, that's amazing that he would do that, that he would die for us. But you know what the best part is, is the next part. Because if it stopped there, then Jesus would just be dead, right? And there would be no point. But after three days, what happened? Come on, we know that after three days, The stone was rolled away. The tomb was split open. Come on. And Jesus comes right on out. He is alive and he is well. And he is with us today, right here, right now. It says that he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he says, the Bible says that he's interceding for you and for me. What is interceding? It's just a fancy word that means he's praying for you. Isn't that cool? Jesus, the Son of God, is praying for you and for me. I imagine him sitting there sometimes and he's, sitting there and and the father's here Jesus is on the right hand and he's looking out and he's saying you know Chris he's going through a hard time father would you just send him some comfort and some peace right now Ashley she's dealing with some stuff father would you give her provision right now in this season John he's He's been serving us faithfully, but Lord, he's, he's struggling right now. Lord, I'm just praying for him and he's praying to the Father. And, and the Bible says that Jesus actually sends the Holy Spirit to comfort us in our time of need, to remind us that he is there with us through it all. He made a way for us to have life, not just a half-baked life, not just this like, barely getting by kind of a life, but God wants you to succeed. He wants you to be successful, not just monetary, not just in finances and in your job and and your family and all that stuff. Listen, God wants you to have an abundant life. What it means in Philippians 4.13, when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, what it's actually saying is I can bear all things. I can handle all things, no matter what comes my way. I'm gonna be okay because I have Jesus on my side. He's fighting my battles for me. He goes before me. He's with me. He's behind me. He's all around me. And nothing that the devil throws at me is gonna keep me down because I have Jesus Christ on my side. That's the kind of life that you can have. A life of victory, not a life of struggling. That's who you are. That's who God made you to be. 
I love this. Uh, just a few days ago, I thought about this. I'm sure I'm not the first one to think about this, but in the book of Matthew at the very beginning, we read that passage earlier, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. It's the first gospel of all the gospels in the New Testament. The gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It tells the story of Jesus, right? And Matthew's the first one. And in the first chapter, one of the first verses, it gives us that name, Emmanuel, God with us. And now he's not the first one to say it. He was actually quoting Isaiah, the prophet that said that Jesus would come and he'd be called Emmanuel. And this is a long time before Jesus was ever born. And so Matthew was actually just quoting that passage from the Old Testament. But at the very beginning of his gospel, he's saying, hey, this is God who's with us, right? His name's Emmanuel, he's with you. But the very last thing that Matthew records in his gospel is very interesting. You go to chapter 28 of Matthew and we all know what's called the Great Commission, right? If you've been in the church for any period of time, you would know what the Great Commission is. But there's one thing right after the Great Commission. It's right at the very end. And it's the last thing that Jesus says in Matthew's gospel where he, he says this one last sentence and then he goes back up to heaven after he's been resurrected from the dead. He's already hung out with his disciples. He's been talking with them. He's even eaten, had a meal with them. It's just really cool stuff that he does after he's raised from the dead. And he says one more sentence and then he goes back to heaven. He ascends back. But I think we missed that sentence many, many times. And I wanna read it here. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came and said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, right? So here's the great commission. We know this, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The very first thing that Matthew thinks it's important to tell about Jesus is that he's called Emmanuel and that he's with us. And the very last thing that he records Jesus saying before he ascends to heaven is he's reminding us. He's saying, hey, listen, all of this stuff that I've done, all of this stuff, it all doesn't even matter if you forget that I'm with you. Just be reminded, it's gonna get hard, it's gonna get tough, your life's not gonna be perfect, it's not gonna be easy, but listen, I will be with you through every single bit of it. From the very beginning until the very end, I will be with you. From chapter one of your life until the very last page, Jesus will be with you. When you're dealing with the pressures of growing up in a broken world as a kid, God is with you. Maybe you're in high school or college in this place or young adult and you feel like you're lost. Maybe you just don't feel like you have any direction in your life. I want you to know that God is with you. When you're struggling to find a spouse, maybe you've gone on from college, but you're like, I don't really have anybody. Maybe you're just feeling alone in this place today. I don't know. God is with you. When your marriage is failing and you have no answers, God is with you. When you lose your job and you aren't sure how you're gonna make ends meet, God is with you. When depression takes over your mind and you feel trapped inside of it, God is with you. When you're grieving the loss of a loved one during this Christmas season, man, God is with you. When you are at your worst and you feel unlovable, God is with you. He is with you 
from the beginning to the end. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And he wants to remind us, even through Matthew's gospel, that from the beginning he was there and he'll always be there. And at the end, he will always be there. And that, it's a simple message, to be honest. It's just the message of the gospel that he came and he died and he's alive and he's still here with us. And there's a lot of people that have just been struggling around me in my life. And I, you know, me included, right? And I think it's a good thing for us to remember sometimes that no matter what we go through, that we have an advocate. We have somebody that's with us. Christmas can be a very lonely season for people. It can be a very tough season for some people. Maybe you have struggles with family and you know you don't really get along with certain people or maybe you're away from family. Maybe you live far from your family and you just feel lonely. Man, I just want you to remember this Christmas season that Jesus is with you and he cares for you and no matter what you're dealing with, if you lay it down in his feet and give your life to him, Ask for forgiveness. He'll make you a new creation. The Bible says he will completely change your entire life and give you that abundant life that he came to give. But Emmanuel is just one name of Jesus. Like we talked about Pastor Tim today. We didn't even plan that, which I think is the coolest thing. The Holy Spirit does that so many times, but I didn't even know what he was gonna be talking about, but he's talking about there's power in a name. And this is exactly what I felt like God told me to preach about is the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. But that is just one name that describes our amazing Jesus. Prince of peace, Lord of Lords, Lamb of God, Lion of Judah, the way, the truth, the life, the light of the world, deliverer, savior, son of God. Come on, mighty counselor. There's so many names of Jesus. And I feel like you could have countless, infinite more names for Jesus and it still wouldn't even totally be able to describe the amazingness of our God. You couldn't even put all of it into a book. The book of John even says at the very end of, of his gospel, that I suppose you could just take all the books in the entire world just like every book that's ever been written, you try to put all of them together and you try to just keep writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. You will never get to the end of the goodness of God and how much his love is there for us. There's no way you could ever get there. He's just infinitesimally good, amazing. But the Bible says there's power in one name and all of those names together, combined together, and the Bible says there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen. There is power in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Say Jesus. Come on, if you're in need of a miracle today, I just need you to call on the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. What does all of that mean? It means that the name of Jesus is above every other name. And if you would call on the name of Jesus, you can be saved. But what is salvation? It doesn't just mean like eternal life. Like that's just like, I know people can, we all think about the eternal life piece of salvation, right? But if you actually go back to the original word, sozo, what does it mean? It actually means healed, delivered, restored, set free. It has so many meanings even wrapped up into the word salvation. You see, we live our lives sometimes as Christians thinking that we're just trying to be good enough to get to heaven. That's not what it's about. 
God wants to get heaven into you right here, right now. He wants you to live a victorious and abundant life today, not just when you die. So we need to call on the name of Jesus right here, right now. And maybe some of you are here today and you're just in a place where you don't feel like that you're right with God or you don't feel like that God is with you or I don't know what that looks like for you. But today I wanna give everybody the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And maybe you've been following God for a long time. Your relationship with God is wonderful. You are on track and you're, you're in your Bible, you're praying and you feel like you're in a great place with God right now. I think it's just a great reminder for all of us to know that, hey, God's with me. God's for me. He's by my side during this Christmas season. Would you stand up with me today? Some of you in this place, you feel like that sick kid. And maybe you feel like you've been pushed into another room. Maybe you've put yourself in another room because you feel like hey, there's no way anybody could love me or care for me. I'm just too messed up and too broken. I just need you to know that God right now is wrapping his arms around you and saying, I'm right here. I'm with you. Just give your life to me. Come on, come back to me. Maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe you've never given your life to God before. He's saying, would you just turn to me and give me all these problems, all these doubts, all this depression, anxiety, all this stuff that you are dealing with on your own. Listen, if you would just give it to me and I'd be right there with you. You see, Jesus didn't take care of himself in the way that we really should, right? He, he didn't care that he was gonna go to the cross. If you, if you were only thinking about yourself, you certainly wouldn't do that. But yet Jesus wasn't thinking about himself, just like I wasn't thinking about myself when I'm wrapping my arms around my son, I'm kissing all over him, having a good time with him. I knew I was gonna get sick. But the Bible says that God became sin, who knew no sin became sin so that you might be free. Jesus became sin on the cross. He took all of the sin, all of the sickness upon himself so that you could be free. Isn't that an amazing truth today? So I wanna give you the opportunity to say yes to God. And maybe you just need that reminder that, hey, he's with me through this Christmas season. But if you do me a favor, we're gonna pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. I wanna give you that opportunity to say yes today. You might feel like that sick kid or you might know that you have sin in your life that you just need forgiveness for. Whether you've given your life to God before or, or this is the very first time, I would love to invite you to say yes to Jesus, to recognize that, hey, I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect, I've fallen short, but yet Jesus is the savior that has given his life for me. And I wanna get right with God right here, right now. And if that's you, I would just encourage you, raise your hand on the count of three and look up at me just so I can see. And then you can put your hand right back down. One, two, three. Is that you in this place today? Come on, is there anybody? Yep, come on, I see you. Is there anybody else? Anybody else today? You wanna get right with God? Come on, amen. And maybe you're in this place today and you're saying, Pastor, I just feel alone. This Christmas season is tough. We're going through it right now. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's a sickness that you need a healing for or family struggles. Uh, maybe you're nervous about what's about to happen in the next week or two or 
I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe your business is struggling or you just lost a job. It could be all kinds of different things. But if you're just struggling and you just need some help, you just want me to pray with you today, would you just raise your hand? I just wanna say, hey, as a sign of solidarity and saying, hey, I'm gonna raise my hand and, and trust that God's gonna take care of my every need. Would you raise your hand in this place? I see you, come on, I see you, I see you, I see you. Yeah, 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 hands going up. Awesome, 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 awesome. I see you over here, yep, yep. Come on, everybody, let's pray together in this house. Say, Jesus, thank you for being with me, for being Emmanuel. Holy Spirit, I give you my life right now. I ask you to lead me and guide me in my everyday walk with you. Help me to keep you first, not second or third, but to give you everything I have. I make you my savior, my Lord, and my friend today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give God praise today in the house of God? Thank you, Jesus. One person said yes to Jesus today, and I know many more. I hope that you're encouraged just by this message that God is with you in this place. Uh, I encourage you, please come back this Friday at 7 p.m. We will be right here all together, one service, candlelight. It is a family service, so bring the kids. Like I said, we'll have cocoa, we'll have cookies, and we'll have carols. We got all the C's here in this house. So uh, thank you so much. Go get your picture with Santa, grab your kids, and stick around for a little bit and spread some Christmas cheer, all right? God bless you. We'll see you on Friday.